Hey everybody, welcome to the Culture Shock Podcast. My name is Stephen Adeboye, and we're doing this by Zoom because we're in two different locations. I'm in London, but my special guest is actually in Stockholm. But I will allow her to introduce herself to you guys. Hi, I'm Jessica, Jessica Nelson. Um, I'm based in, in Cape Town, but right now I'm in Stockholm because I'm from Sweden and it's really warm here, so... Happy to be away from the Cape Town rain. <laughs> it's so funny because I guess the seasons are complete parallels. So the summer is the winter and the winter here. Yeah, yeah it's the polar opposite. So um, I try to move with the sun just like the swallows. Exactly. Yeah. So chasing the sun kind of thing is, you know, is that kind of something that you do on the regular or is that something that's, you know, been quite recent in terms of that journey? Um, yeah, so that is something that is growing stronger now with COVID. I think it was more difficult before, but now, um, now I'm fully remote. And I, in theory, try to be in Europe for five months of the year and then the rest in South Africa. But so far this summer, I've had to go back to South Africa twice. So I just got back two days ago. Um, so it's not exactly the way I wanted but then on the other hand it's it's nice to get a break from the heat every now and then and get home to the cats and um yeah I really miss Cape Town oh yeah Cape Town's a beautiful place I was there I think I mentioned this to you in our initial call but I was there February had one of the yeah. best ever like did a lot of hiking, yeah. low hiking in the heat but um went for safari as well um swam with, swam with sharks died with sharks that was called shark, shark cage diving. That's what I did. Shark um, mm. gliding and the culture there and the people there are amazing. So, yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Mm. Yeah, I, I just love it for um, it's got all these worlds within a city and it's it's right on the doorstep of incredible nature. Um, I mean, you can get to Vic Falls in three hours by plane almost every day. So it's it's really you can really escape um, that organized lifestyle that Cape Town provides and go somewhere uh, where you're just immersed in nature. Um, so it's a, it's on the other side of the world in many ways, but it's it's an outpost of culture and um, business and so much. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, it's so funny because um, I think it was uh, Table Mountain. Um, so when I hiked up that mountain and I saw the view and it was at the end of the earth, literally all you see was, yeah. like, was the sea and you're just like, oh my gosh, like when really you look at the map, South Africa is, is at the end of you know, yeah. the world and you're just like, whoa, and it's, it's, it's 10 hours from the UK to even to fly there, but you really see like, wow, this is kind of where you go from here. So it's cool. Yeah, I mean, you go to Antarctica, um, there used to be flights once a month mm. from Cape Town International. I um, always wanted to, to take it because I think you go, it's like nine hours. You stay there for a few hours and then you come back again. So nice. you're you're back within 24 hours, really. Yeah, right. I can imagine the temperature being super like sub-zero climates and adjusting to that, would you ever want to do it in the winter or in the summer or well, your version of winter summer? Um, I mean, I have a friend who went there and got caught in a snowstorm and nearly died. So maybe this summer. 
that, 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 that makes sense. I mean, not this um, snowstorm, but your summer would be your winter, just to clarify. Yeah. The yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that makes yeah. sense. I'm sure the weather's a lot better then, which is good. But this is an, a nice segue to your to your business because um, you have a, a travel business, I believe. Yeah, I've, I run two businesses. Um, I have a travel company that collects, connects local guides across Africa to travelers. So um, trying to harness local expertise, local knowledge, um, as opposed to working with some of the bigger companies. And it's the broadest network of guides in Africa in 30 countries from Benin to the DRC to Kenya, Tanzania, down to South Africa, um, got lots of destinations covered and um, trying to give local guides a voice and trying to empower them to show people what they want to show them as opposed to some fairy tale of Africa. Um, so yeah, that's my first business. How did, and you don't mind me just touching on that. How did you get started with that? Um, so, so I grew up in Tanzania and then I returned to Tanzania when I was working on my PhD in anthropology. Um, and I was working on um, Maasai mobilities and technology and um, looking at the development in Maasai land. And um, my research assistant uh, who passed away last week completely unexpectedly a huge shock um he's a he was a local maasai elder and also a tour guide um and what i just noticed traveling around with him moving around was how um local people were not really allowed to be a part of of tourism as much as they should be um most of the tourism industry was hijacked by um, either companies with foreign money or companies with government money, because if you're a politician in Tanzania, you're rich um, for obvious reasons. Um, but then the local indigenous communities, um, totally disenfranchised. And it just felt like such a shame and also such a missed opportunity, both in terms of what locals can teach people about um the environment they're in but also in terms of protecting the environment and protecting nature because if you're just living on the fringes of a conservation area um there's just downsides to it because you can't do everything you would with your cattle and planting things and so you you're not profiting from wildlife so it would make sense for you to destroy it rather than to protect it and that's what happens across africa mm. if local communities are not made part of conservation so i was thinking um to to find a tool to let local micro entrepreneurs um have a platform where they can advertise their experiences um and profit more from tourism and um yeah that was five years ago now that i started the company um, right after my phd um i decided enough of academia um started the company and now we're we've got over a thousand guides across uh the continent um on our platform both doing more wildlife tourism but also cultural tourism and 
things in between. Um, yeah, so like voodoo experiences in Benin or um, your classical safari in the Serengeti and Ngorongoro. Um, we have people offering all kinds of things. There's so much to take away from that because um, obviously, sorry for your loss, but you know, the other, yeah, yeah, it's very unexpected, like you mentioned, and uh, hopefully, you know, your family is doing okay and you're doing okay as well. Um, when you do talk about tourism and just kind of how it's profited but not given back, it's, it is one of those things that doesn't, there's not a lot of light shined on it unless you really put my magnifying glass on it and go, oh, well, well, where's mm. it? Um, but to see given back and, you know, the people who live there are able to sort of educate them on an authentic level. It's really good. And I'm, I'm intrigued, but how did you do the networking side of things to make it work? Um, that was quite easy. I mean, I, I've gone to all the trade shows, well, not all, but lots of trade shows. And then um, people just started talking and signing up. And I mean, there's signups every day. Um, just it's there's not a lot of marketing on that side except for um, trying to show face and trying to engage with people because um, we want to connect. But um, there's no problem at all getting people to want to sign up. Um, it's um, it's just more of trying to stay in touch and quality control and these things that we're busy with. But um, it's just, um, I mean, we just have people everywhere. That's really good to know because I think the, the leverage of people and the expertise is the, it's the you know, USP, the sort of reason why you know, you're doing this is just to get people together, right? And people yeah. With those expertise and then feeling like they're part of the culture and understanding it for what it is versus like, here's a shiny object, look at this, take pictures and then move on with your day. Like you actually are yeah. being involved in what daily life, right? To some extent, even though it's a short period of time. Yeah. I mean, people are craving authentic experiences, whatever authenticity means. Um, there's a lot of fake authenticity, obviously, but um, I think that the travelers now are a bit more educated than 10 years ago, and they don't want to see a fake dance performance, um, which, like, put on a show for tourists, that sort of thing is just so awkward. Mm. Um, so I think that there's the market also on the tourist side for um, something that is truly local and um, real experts and not not overly crafted by um, a design team from the West, but rather from from the hearts and brains of, of locals. Um, that is that's what we're trying to, to establish and. Um, I mean, I think the entire industry is mo moving more towards that direction now. Um, but um, I think I'd like to think that we had something to do with it in Africa, a little bit at least. Yeah, I mean, any any change is a good change that helps other people, right? And you know, this, the empowerment behind it as well, I think, is very important because um, I guess my experience. It's slightly, it's not controversial, but it's something that I noticed, which was um, a lot of the people who lived in South Africa were working, and that's fine, but they were kind of not empowered in the terms in terms of the work they were doing. 
So there was always like a management that was kind of like, you're here and then everyone else works behind that. Um, so I always like to see entrepreneurship and ownership of, mm. of that. And if there's someone like yourself, you can distribute that to people, or, you know, make sure that, you know, they can come to them directly if it's, you know, something that they own or something. That's amazing because then that was mm. the, those two communities and helps, you know, provide jobs if, you know, tourism is coming in. Um, and I think that's kind of the key is that you want people to come to the country and actually visit and learn and then spread the word. And then, you know, you have new to it. So it's a, you know, a circle, so, you know, the blood flow of what you're doing. Mm, yeah. And it's, it's about self-empowerment. I think that's really, really important. I don't want to be someone to preach to anyone what they should be doing to make a better life for themselves. It's, um, it's just about providing a platform for people to, to carve their own path. Um, that's, that's what I want to provide. Um, nothing more or less. Um, I don't want to do development aid. Um, I also don't want to be a stone cold capitalist, um, but providing a platform. That's, that's my goal. Yeah, I, I think it, you know, we can always talk about, you know, the idea of capitalism and, you know, what that might look like when it comes to, you know, places like Africa, where you, you always hear in the news or just, you know, you, your whereabouts, like there's an unequal balance that exists um, instead of, you know, I'm not saying everyone should be equal. It's, it's hard mm. in capitalism, but in a way where there's opportunity, yeah. I think that's key. And I think when you can yeah. that to provide opportunity, and show that, you know, there is an equal footing with everyone that can have easy access or, you know, just the knowledge of that access to do something to empower yourself. That's that's really crucial, I think, in terms of the growth. Yeah. 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 And then in terms of your second business, because I thought that was very intriguing as well. Um, would you like mm. to talk about that? Because I, I feel like you are way out of my league in terms of the expertise. Yeah, so... Um, so... My company was doing just starting to do well in like 2019 and then was like wow this is finally working out then came 2020 and we had so many bookings and so many terrified people trying to cancel and um it's just absolute horror um also, the whole thing started earlier in Africa because Bill Gates had said that Africa would be worse hit by COVID of all countries, of all continents, and that did not happen. But um, people were really freaking out, so um, it was really tough the first six months of 2020. And then started thinking about what I could do because I had no idea when this nightmare would end, and um, what I could do with some of my employees as well. And then um, I had the opportunity to um, do communication for um, a biopharmaceutical company, um, um, communication because of my anthropology background. Um, from that, I saw an opportunity to bring the technology that that company was providing to Africa. So. Um, technology I'm talking about is CAR T-cell therapy. It's cell and gene therapy, which means that you take a person's own genetic material and CAR T-cell therapy, that's the T-cells. You um, manipulate these using a viral vector, um, a lentigen vector, 
And then you reinfuse them into the patient's body um, as CAR T cells. Um, and that allows for the patient to fight their own disease um, with their own cells. So it's completely individualized only for that one person. And it's the most effective way to treat um, most blood cancers. Um, but we're also discovering other diseases like lupus. And we think it can cure HIV. Um, so we want to do a HIV trial. Um, but it's, um, it's the future of medicine. And that future up until now has not been available in Africa. So um, cartesal therapy has only been around for about 10 years in terms of clinical trials and only a couple of years is approved medicine um, and it's available in most Western European countries in the US and Canada and in Japan um, and there's some experiments in in Israel and China as well um, but that's it so um, if you live in most countries in the world and you're diagnosed with uh, lymphoma or um, leukemia and you go through uh, chemotherapy, you go through stem cell therapy and these don't work, then it's a death sentence. But in the UK and in Sweden, um, you and then in America, if you have healthcare, um, if you, um, you don't respond to first and second line therapies, CAR T cell therapy is used and um provides a cure for it depends on the cancer but it's um, 60 70 percent of those cancers and these are people who are untreatable um and this is the third line therapy so um if this could be used earlier on i think it would be even better but right now it's a third line therapy um but it's it's really changing people's lives and saving people's lives um adults and children and it's also um it's also i mean it's also probably effective on lupus disease on hiv if you wanted to cure hiv but you don't necessarily have to cure hiv anymore but a lot of people with hiv develop blood cancers so you could cure two diseases with one therapy um which is quite convenient um so and then there's also nk cells um we're not doing those yet but those are also quite promising for other types of diseases um there's some hope that alzheimer's could be cured using car t or nk cell therapy um so this is where the future of medicine is and it's individualized it's localized it's localized production um right by the bedside basically um but it's also very very expensive um in the u.s treatment costs starting at about a half a mil half million USD and it can go to over a million. So for a lot of Americans, this is not affordable either. Um, in the year and then Europe, it's half a million euros, 750,000. Um, so it's very expensive, but we can produce at a much lower price in Africa. Um, obviously not going to be available for every single person, but hopeful that um those people with good insurances will be able to be treated and maybe that the south african government would subsidize or pay for some of the treatments and then that we could perhaps have a once it's approved for children as well because our trial that we're doing now is only for adults but once we would be treating children that maybe they can set up a fund so that 
um, adult patients and um, patients coming from overseas so they can also co-fund children's treatment so that no ch child has to die because the parents can't pay. Um, so that would break my heart. Um, so yeah, that's what we're working on now in a clinical trial. Um, my company um, is setting up a mobile lab, um, which is also a really neat concept because it's a container lab. You can move, you can build other ones, you can put them in other countries in Africa and other emerging countries. Um, so it's um, it's just super exciting um, and something completely different to, to tourism. Um, also less stressful, I must say, um, <laughs> which I enjoy because tourism is really stressful. It, it, it's funny you say it's stressful because it sounds like in one spectrum, one sounds fun and the other one sounds very serious and complicated and mm. the business process is completely different. Um, the the yeah. thing is, people who um, say go on the safari and the breakfast was horrible, they will raise hell and yeah. it's extremely stressful. Um, whereas dealing with cancer, I think you get people are more grateful. Also, I don't deal directly with patients. I think that that is a whole different kind of challenge um, emotionally, um, both rewarding, but also stressful um, and sometimes heartbreaking. Um, but um, I think tourism is pretty much the most stressful industry um, there is, I think, um, just because some travelers can be something. Um, they want this, I mean, we all want the perfect holiday. Um, and in Africa, you have to be open-minded and um, open to change in most countries. Um, you can't get that package deal that you get on Ibiza. Um, it's, it's different. Um, so yeah, it can be stressful. Um, also, people's insecurities, like just going to to an African country, can also be something you have to deal with. Um, but strangely, people are way more scared of animals than of, um, say, the drive or um, the things that can actually kill you. Um, it's very rare that someone's jumped by a lion. Um, <laughs> you really have to make a mistake for that to happen. Mm. Um, but that's what people are afraid of. Yeah, you know, there's so much impact. Obviously, I want to talk about two of the businesses that you have and seeing. You know, whilst you say they are different, the, the synergy is the people, right? You're, at some point, you're, you're dealing with people's expectations in terms of holidays, but also expectations in terms of life and the quality of life. Mm. And uh, I think, you know, in terms of the perception that you're doing to break some of the stereotypes, but also to provide opportunities for people to live a quality life as well with what you're doing with you know, the medical side of things is very, very not bold, but just, if I can find a better word for it, just very, it's very uh, impactful, I believe. Um, because at the end of the day, like, I think the way you said the West has this technology and maybe Africa doesn't have it right now. It's kind of like, oh yeah, well, they'll get a second, right? But it shouldn't mm. be that way. I mean, we're all people at the end of the day and we all have, you know, our needs to live a good quality life. And the idea of being second place in, in a society based on 
who has more and who has less is not fair. And life isn't fair. But at the same time, if we can do something to create a balance where that opportunity does exist, and it might not be for everyone, like you said, but just the opportunity for it being there is, is very important, I believe. Yeah. No, and also um, just showing, just proving that it can be done in Africa because um, when I started, um, I mean, all the big um, pharmaceutical players like Africa, Cartes, nah. Um, they just don't consider it a market, um, which I think is a mistake. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really horrible mistake to make because this technology is evolving really quickly and we need centers in Africa to provide this, um, this type of, uh, medicinal product because, I mean, this is just going to keep on developing and if, if if there's no access now, it's just going to be harder to, to catch up. So um, we definitely want to find a way in, um, show that it can be done, show that um, this continent can be reckoned with, um, which it can be. I mean, the whole startup culture, uh, maybe not so much in South Africa, but maybe more in Lagos and Nairobi. Um, I mean, it's so creative and it's so promising. and. Um, it's just this constant underestimation um, in the West of what potential um, the African continent has. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm really focused on um, getting access to this technology in Africa and um, perhaps setting up other centers after South Africa, maybe have a center in Lagos, maybe in Nairobi. Um, I mean, it's um, it's just so so important to to show that this can be done. But this thing with um, Africa coming second, we we saw it with COVID with the vaccines and mm. some really ugly fights going on, also between the UK and Europe. And um, I mean, in the end, the biggest issue with the COVID vaccine in Africa was that people, once it was available, people didn't really want to take it anymore because Telegram and WhatsApp and all these conspiracy theories had really spread across social media. But um, seeing these rich countries just being so greedy with the vaccines, um, that just made me really, really sad for, for mankind. And I want us to be better. Um, and I want to be better. So. I mean, I'm a capitalist and an idealist. Um, try to combine the two. I think they're com combinable. That's the word. Yeah, I, I think you know, just when I we only have five minutes left, but I, I I don't see any issue with calling yourself whatever you want to call yourself, so long as you know you're comfortable with that balance, right? You know, people think mm. this you have to be 100% greedy and you know it's all for you, money, and that's an extra stereotype. But at the end of the day, it's 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 more about what, what's right? And I think with everything you just mentioned, um, the funny the funny thing, I want to just touch on this, and I know I'm going on a tangent whilst I don't have much time left, is that Africa was one of the less hit countries that had COVID. Mm. And a small island like the UK, unfortunately, got the worst of it. So yeah, it, I don't know what that is. I don't know. That says a lot. And, and I think it says maybe personally for me, the resilience 
behind everything that's happened in that continent. Mm. Pay for something as tragic as COVID at the time. And people yeah. able to live a bit better than other countries who are pretty much just in a bubble of everything that's going on and looking after themselves, which is fine. Just you kind of downcast one continent to say, okay, we don't need you to have this. And yet, you know, the balance is completely different. So yeah. I hope people learn from it. I hope people understand like, you know, whatever it is that they were doing, maybe something that you can learn from, but also to give back where you can. I think if you have the resources, you need mm. to fellow mankind better. That's something that's important. I think the the main reason why, um, on average, Africa was less badly hit was um, it has to do with the outdoor lifestyle. Um, you could definitely see that cities were about as badly hit as European and American cities, and but this outdoor lifestyle, being outdoors, it's really hard to get COVID outdoors. Um, and if you spend most of the day go about your business dining if you do everything out in free air it's it's so much more difficult to catch COVID, and i think that's what um african countries got right um is this outdoor seat culture mm-hmm. it also says a lot and just you know, looping back to everything that you you've spoken about the outdoor nature the climate just being around nature that's something that your tourism offers you know this great life yeah something to see so if you're tired of the city life where can they find you what's the best opportunity to get involved in terms of your tourism and how can they also see what you're doing for medical side of things as well so if people want to see what i'm doing you say yeah yeah from a, from both sides great businesses where can they find you yeah so um they can find me tourism wise on safarisource.com that's safari source and um, my biotech is capecell.com. So both those websites, um, you can find my email addresses and get in touch. Absolutely. What I'll do is I'll drop all that in the info in the podcast. But, uh, cool. Yeah. But you know what? Just, you know, I think it's important to have these conversations because I know we've been more awakened to the idea of Africa not being a country. <laughs> <laughs> it's a continent and that continent has more than one billion people in that um, mm. in, in the in the continent so it's to have so many sections of africa and people think oh you know it's all about one area one area only there's so many spectrums to it and to just understand yeah. the perspective of what you're trying to offer in just it's a few countries in africa it's very important and i think it's something that i would love to highlight more um, as i go along but um, yeah the stuff that you're doing is amazing. I've, I've seen your website. If I had known it existed prior, I would have booked <laughs> using that for all the tours that we did. But um, when I do my second round again, I'll, I'll definitely do that. Awesome, yeah. Great stuff. Well, um, I appreciate you being in the episode and um, yeah. thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great fun. And uh, best of luck with your podcast and everything you do. Thank you very much. Guests like you, it makes it a lot easier. So, appreciate it.